0: Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This podcast is independent and ad free because of your listener support. Become a listener supporter by going to WeirdHistoryPodcast.com. I wrote a book. It is finally real. It finally exists. It's on my desk in front of me. And this is wild. This is something I have wanted for some time. The book is called Storied in Scandalous Portland, Oregon, and it is essentially a, not so much history of Portland, but it is a book of fun historical vignettes about Portland. It's about bad stuff, but not actually bad stuff, fun bad stuff. Uh, You could write a history of Portland that was really dark. You could write a book about how African Americans were excluded from even living in portland you could talk about you know japanese internment you could talk about stuff like a pretty serious heroin epidemic at the end of the 20th century uh you could go to a really kind of bad place if you were to write a local history book about my hometown but that is not the book the publisher wanted instead this is about fun bad things and i think you probably know what that entails so old-timey saloons old-timey gambling you know, fun local anecdotes, the, the kind of things that uh, a tour guide would talk about. And when the publisher approached me about writing this book, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. But, but I was at a party at the end of 2018, and I was talking to somebody about this deal that was in front of me, and I didn't know if I was going to say yes or no. And uh, somebody overheard us talking and just kind of swooped in to the conversation and she said wait you have a potential book deal how did you pitch to publisher and i explained oh i didn't they came to me uh they wanted somebody to write this book about portland history and they were familiar with my work in the portland mercury uh the podcast they had heard me mentioned by other people who are involved in portland history and they came to me with a book deal and uh This person ended up working in the publishing industry, and she said, what press is it? I said, it's called Globe Pequot Press. And she said, okay, yeah, that's a real operation. Uh, They do local interest books like the one they're offering you. They do guidebooks and that kind of stuff. And she said to me, do you have any idea how many authors struggle (laughs) to get a book out there? Do you have any idea how many authors pitch and pitch and pitch and get nothing from agents and publishers and the rest of it? and one just shows up at your door. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate that, but, you know, it's going to be the kind of thing that, uh, you know, it's just fun facts about Portland, Oregon, and uh, it's the kind of thing that you would buy in a museum gift shop or at the airport or that kind of thing. I don't know. To which she said, books that live in museum gift shops and at airports do pretty well. Uh, If I were to write some memoir about i don't know my travels or life or that kind of thing it would be the kind of thing that either made a splash or didn't but uh, a local interest book that's going to be in the gift shop at the oregon historical society or be in the you know all things oregon stores at the portland international airport or that kind of thing or be in the portland oregon section of powell's books which attracts lots of visitors to Portland every single day of every single year. She's like, yeah, you're going to have an audience for that pretty consistently. And if it's under 20 bucks, people will buy it. You should say yes. So after being basically browbeaten by this member of the publishing industry that just happened to be at the same party as me at the end of 2018, I signed the contract, wrote the book, And it is real, and I am happy to say that I will be doing an event at Powell's Books in Portland, Oregon, the big downtown location, the main Powell's, on March 22nd at 7.30. So, if you would like to see me live, in-person, reading from the book, you should come. You can ask me questions. I will sign a copy for you. Uh, All of it. It'll be great. Today, I'm going to read you an excerpt. And the excerpt I'm going to read is from the end of the book. And it is one of my favorite Portland and Oregon stories. And it is a story that I think you'll be able to appreciate even if you're not from Portland or have never been to Oregon or any of that. It's a story about one of Oregon's most celebrated governors, a guy called Tom McCall. In Oregon, he is known for being um, a fairly progressive governor, he was a Republican but not like the members of the Republican Party that we have now. He was very into recycling, conservation, uh, environmentalism, uh, all of that. He is, he's mostly known as being one of the most, like, towering figures of Oregon environmentalism, though he was also still really into the logging industry. He was very anti-communist and pro-Vietnam War. His politics don't really track on any modern politics, but the point is he is a beloved figure of Portland and Oregon history. And in this anecdote from Storied in Scandalous Portland, Oregon that I'm going to read to you, uh, Governor McCall is faced with a potentially thorny problem that he finds a um, novel solution to. Um, If you're from Portland, you probably know what that solution is just by looking at the title of this episode. But for those of you unfamiliar with these events, yeah, I want you to enjoy the surprise. But once again... Storied and Scandalous, Portland, Oregon. Uh, If you want to buy it, there is a link over at weirdhistorypodcast.com. Go there, click the link, get it. Join me at Powell's on March 22nd, 2020 at 7.30. I will sign books for you, answer questions. But for now, here's an excerpt from Storied and Scandalous, Portland, Oregon. Like much of the United States, Portland was divided over the Vietnam War. In early 1970 students at Portland State University took over the campus to protest American bombings in Cambodia. While the protest wasn't specifically about the recent Kent State shooting, those events loomed over to proceedings as classes were canceled, students built barricades, and the campus and the surrounding park blocks transformed into a scene of popular uprising straight out of Les Miserables. Things got violent after the police insisted that the protesters take down a first aid tent. The protesters refused. 31 protesters were hospitalized after the ensuing street fight. Four police officers were also injured. Later that August, the American Legion was set to hold its annual convention in Portland. The guest of honor at the Legion's convention was to be none other than then-President Richard Nixon, who was scheduled to speak on how to finally win the war in Vietnam. It was an event that was seemingly custom-made to bring even more protest, violence, and strife to the city streets. According to FBI reports, a large, loosely organized protest group called the People's Army Jamboree was attempting to descend on Portland with over 50,000 anti-war protesters determined to disrupt the American Legion Convention and Nixon's visit. Supposedly, the Jamboree put out a call on college campuses up and down the West Coast, drawing radicals from San Diego to Seattle to Portland. Prior to the convention, local media was filled with talk of potential violence. Some Legionaries are a little quick on the trigger, said Legion member W.C. Conyer to a reporter from the Bend Bulletin, but so are some of the hippies. McCall was terrified. The PSU protests from earlier in the year were fresh in his mind, and he wanted to avoid another potentially larger protest while the president was in town. He knew that calling in the National Guards to deal with the protesters would likely result in street fights, injuries, and extensive property damage. The governor was also up for re-election that year. The state's largest city erupting into a war zone would not, he reasoned, be good for his prospects in November. McCall knew that he had to do something. He happened upon an unconventional solution. A giant, state-sponsored rock and roll festival. A small counterculture collective called The Family, that's THE FAMILY with caps, uh, initially pitched an alternative to protests to Portland city officials. A peaceful music festival and coming together instead of a potentially violent march in the streets. The city government, not eager to spend money on what looked to be a drug-fueled hippie party, turned them down. The family was not deterred, though. They traveled to Salem and pitched the idea to the governor's office. The governor, who'd been casting about for ways to avoid a protest, said yes. McIver State Park, about 25 miles southeast of Portland, would play host to a music festival during the american legion convention the multi-day state-sponsored woodstock knockoff would be called vortex one a biodegradable festival of life Oregon taxpayers would fit the bill for a week-long clothing optional hippie festival and mccall also got funding from members of the portland business community who generally saw a lack of rioting as in their best interest the site was chosen specifically for its isolation State and city authorities wanted potential protesters contained in McIver, and law enforcement was instructed to not issue any kind of citations for nonviolent crimes to potential attendees. Drugs and other transgressive activities were fair game as long as no one threw a punch. Not only that, law enforcement even provided transportation and directions to the festival for people who wanted to be part of the vortex. McCall took to the airwaves to address the state. He was simultaneously speaking about a potential emergency and also announcing a rock festival. Three days from now, he said, Portland will be host to two groups, and they couldn't be more dissimilar. Their simultaneous presence here has already generated tension. We will be tested to the ultimate. After giving a brief description of the American Legion, the People's Army Jamboree, and what was at stake, he said, Great numbers of young people are coming to Portland, but not to riot or to burn or to kill. They're coming to peacefully exercise their constitutional rights. Our reports were, however, that some would seek to manipulate others as pawns. Pawns to trigger serious and possible violent confrontations. In consultation with sitting church and government leaders, and with the advice and counsel of the FBI, I committed our resources. As governor, I agreed to do all I could to prevent tragedy from breaking out in Portland. While we're prepared to deal with violence, keep it clear that our first priority is to avoid violence. Vortex is an activity planned by a group of responsible young people. There will still be some who want to thwart authority. The laws of this state and community will be upheld. For those who understand this statement, alternatives are available. These alternatives were, of course, to go to McIver Park and get your freak on. McCall also made it very clear that state and federal law enforcement agents would be prepared to deal with any potential violence in Portland in what he called Operation Tranquility. He ended a speech with an invocation of one of Oregon's greatest natural disasters. Hopefully, he said, this will be the Columbus Day storm that never came. The FBI's initial estimate that 50,000 radicals were ready to descend on Portland was almost certainly hyperbole, and Richard Nixon ended up canceling his appearance at the American Legion convention. Only about 1,000 people marched in the streets during that weekend, and fears of urban warfare and street fights proved unfounded. Vortex One, though, was considerable. Because attendance was free, the gates weren't monitored, so there are no exact attendance numbers. Estimates range from between 30,000 and 100,000, even though there were no bands of note. The event largely relied on local bands. There were rumors that major acts like Jefferson Airplane or the Grateful Dead were going to make a surprise appearance, but sudden visits from nationally known rock artists were not forthcoming. The music wasn't the only draw, though. From August 28th to September 3rd, 1970, festival-goers in McIver Park enjoyed a light touch from the powers that be, and a festival offered a vacation from cops, squares, and prevailing social norms. One musician recalled drinking wine that he didn't know was dosed with LSD, and having his first trip while trying to play the drums. Naked people coated themselves with mud, let it dry in the sun, and washed themselves clean in the Clackamas River. Undercover law enforcement officials milled about among the revelry. They were, apparently, fine with it. Law enforcement at Vortex One looked the other way when it came to drug use, public nudity, and sundry other forms of normally prescribed recreation. Because of the extensive amount of consequence-free drug use, the festival became known as the Governor's Pot Party. McCall, who'd previously worried about his political future because of potential urban violence, now fretted about whether or not he'd survive after being so strongly associated with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. McCall had nothing to worry about. He secured re-election in 1970 and went down in history as one of Oregon's most beloved governors. He later told Studs Terkel, It was the damnedest confrontation you'll ever see. We took a park 20 miles south of Portland and turned it into an overnight bivouac and disco party. There was a lot of pot smoking and skinny-dipping, but no one was killed. After Vortex 1 ended, McCall visited the site, thanked the organizers, and was invited to join an ohm circle. He accepted. Vortex One remains the only state-sponsored rock and roll festival in American history. While there was no Vortex Two the following year, the state-sponsored festival did inspire the Rainbow Gatherings. In 1972, several of the same organizers of Vortex One gathered in Colorado for a similar event the multi-day non-commercial hippie gathering eventually became a regular worldwide phenomenon and continues to the present day, albeit without the threat of urban warfare or the benefit of state sponsorship. All right, that is just one story from my book, Storied in Scandalous Portland, Oregon, that is real, it exists, and you can buy. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com, click the link, buy the book. And once again, I will be at Powell's on March 22nd at 7.30. I will answer your questions. I will sign your books. I hope to see you. We'll have a great time. Bye.